Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And we welcome you to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Today we're talking to a young man who was diagnosed with a stage 4 brainstem glioma five years ago. A brainstem glioma starts in the brain or spinal cord tissue and typically spreads throughout the nervous system. And joining us from the United Kingdom to tell his story is Jason Dulligan. Jason, I hope I got the right. I hope I got the right pronunciation. It's Dullahan or Dulligan? It's Dulligan. Dulligan, perfect. If, if, if you're from Ireland, it's Dullahan. <laughs> okay. What sort of <laughs> symptoms were you experiencing, Jason, that prompted you to see a doctor initially? Well, initially, going back to 2016, I'd uh, started with double vision which sort of like, you know, it, it sort of like prompted me to contact the doctor and seek medical advice. And uh, take us through that process. Well, basically, I was, I was in work one day and I was, tra- I was driving my, uh, my vehicle to work and I realised that I couldn't see properly. And it looked, the vision I had was, imagine you're looking through a pair of binoculars and you see in double until you pull the two together. So mm-hmm. I was having to close one eye to see. So I made that contact with my doctor uh, to arrange an appointment for the afternoon because apart from apart from the double vision, it was making me feel so unwell. So I, I managed to get an appointment in the afternoon. Jason, did you did you have a sense that this was something pretty? pretty ominous when you were having those symptoms or were you just like, ah, oh, yeah, I probably got a bit of vertigo or. No, I just, I thought it was out of the normal, you know, it was sort of like some of that just came on all of a sudden. And I just knew that it wasn't right. I just didn't feel right in myself and it made me feel nauseous. Mm-hmm. So you went to, went to the doctor. What, uh, what did the doctor tell you? Well, basically the doctor told me at the time that, um, he examined me and he looked, he looked at me and said, that, uh, we're going to have to arrange for an MRI scan, uh, which could take, because it's on the, the NHS in England, mm-hmm. which could take six to eight weeks. So I came out of there uh, expecting a phone call, you know, a week later. So, and, but what I realized, I had uh, insurance through the company, which was healthcare. Mm-hmm. So I contacted this healthcare company who arranged, who came back to me and said, we'll arrange for a uh, VCC specialist that afternoon. So I waited um, and eventually got a phone call uh, that afternoon, um, which they promised. And I was sent through to a, a private hospital where I met an oncologist there. And basically they they put me through an MRI scan. So I left there, I had the MRI scan, I was told, uh, to, you know, I would receive a phone call within the next week, which I did. Uh, I went back uh, the following week and received the results. Uh, I had a brainstem glioma. Wow. What, goes through, what goes through your mind when they say that to you? Well, it was, it was like, over in the UK, there's an advert for cancer 
and I, I use this when I speak to people that, you know, the feeling was, it's like being told you've got cancer and I felt as though I disappeared into a desert, which the advert shows in the UK, someone being told that. And when I was being told this by the oncologist that I had this brain tumour, it, 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 it didn't sink in. I was I was in proper, you know, shock at the time. So that that information coming across just didn't didn't sink in at the time. And it felt it, it sounded as though he was mumbling to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And it and it's sort of like then I had a glass of water, then we had the conversation that he was gonna transfer me over to one of his colleagues who specializes in a, a brain in the brain stems. Cause I was told at the time that this type of brainstem does is not, you know, a common thing in adults. It's more more common in children. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna he's gonna transfer me over to a, a certain one of his colleagues who specialises in that field. You know, when uh, Corey and I were talking a few days ago about uh, cancer, and Corey's been through cancer, but she said, you know, having brain cancer is really something else because to know how it impacts you and can, I guess, Corey, help me out in this, really eat away at your at your faculties. Yeah, yeah, and I was saying, you know, I mean, as horrible as as many of these cancers are, that I felt like brain cancers were really awful because you know you've got that headache, you've got the vision, you've got the balance, you've got depending on what type of the or what part of the brain it's affecting, you know, it affects your thinking, it affects your personality. It's like losing yourself completely. Yeah, but you know, what I found, actually found with the, uh, I didn't realize I had this tumor until I actually started the chemo on radio, which made me feel so unwell, you know, and people tell, oncologists and specialists telling me that you've got this tumour and, it's, you know, it's going to restrict your lifestyle and this kind of... But it was it was this treatment where I seemed to go downhill. When you uh, received the treatment, how much of uh, the chemo and radiation did you receive? Well, I started on the, uh, the chemo and radiotherapy and basically two days into chemo, which I was on the, the tablet form, mm-hmm. um, and it was 750 milligrams of the, of the tablet form. And I, I felt so unwell. I said to my wife, I need, I need, I need an ambulance. I need to go and see somebody because I feel so poorly. And basically ended up in hospital, you know, with septic, and, and it was diagnosed I had septicemia pneumonia based on the chemotherapy that, that had been given. Wow. So, uh, yeah. what, uh, did you stop chemo after that? I stopped. What had happened was I was in the hospital, the local general hospital, and basically, I, initially, I was under uh, an hospital, which is it's, it's called Christie's, and basically, they specialize in cancers and so forth. Mm-hmm. But when I came unwell, I was transferred. I called the ambulance, and I was taken to my local general hospital. And they and in that hospital there, I was given like I was given like the, the, the my family was told the next twenty four hours was critical because I was so unwell with the, the pneumonia and septicemia. So that was based off the uh, what they said was the chemotherapy because my immune system was so low 
that the chemotherapy was attacking my body. Mm-hmm. So I had no defense system in me to fight this back. So I remember, I remember coming round at one stage, and my oncologist from the from the the cancer hospital stood next to my bed, saying that talking to the local uh, the general uh, uh, doctor from the hospital, speaking to that person and saying that you know he needs to carry on with the the chemo. And this doctor turned around, I remember saying, him saying that, that this person cannot continue with the chemotherapy. It'll be end of days. He can't, his, his body won't take it. So the conversation was left at that. And when I left hospital, hospital, I received a phone call saying that you'll have to carry on with the radiotherapy and we're going to cancel the chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So they continue with the radiotherapy, which I carried on for... 20 it was uh 20 it was sorry it was uh 26 weeks every day for 20 minutes for chemotherapy for radiotherapy sorry well uh, i went to the hospital for 20 minutes every day for 26 weeks and carried out radiotherapy that is amazing every single day for 26 weeks half a year yeah it, it, it was it was sort of like i could feel myself getting so unwell every time i went there and at the radio therapy, I'd come home and I'd fall asleep, and I was just, you know, I and I was just, you know, at the time, my I'd had my son was born. Well, from diagnosis in the in the uh, from diagnosis, my son was born, and he was only a month old. So that gave me, you know, that, but to grow to try and take this treatment and recover from it was was an absolute massive task. Wow. How did your wife uh, deal with all of this? Well, it, she found it very difficult. I mean, my wife is uh, 12 years younger than myself. Mm-hmm. And for her to have the two children at home, uh, but fortunately enough, she had, we had support from her, from the in-laws, her mother and her father. They give us a lot of support. But without those, I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where we'd be today. I really don't. But she's been she's been rock all the way through this. When did uh, cannabis enter into the picture for you, Jason? How did you end up even going down that road? Right. Okay. So when I was first when I was transferred over to Chris's hospital, I was I asked my oncologist because um, I'd heard about cannabis from someone else that had used it and cured their you know allegedly cured their stomach cancer. And I got in touch with this person, and he put me in touch with somebody in in the in the local in the vicinity of, of where I lived at the time, um, who was producing and making the the cannabis oil. So, you know, I started my journey on from there, and down to the because t- when the hospital told me there was nothing they could do for me, that was it. Go home, sort your life out, you know there's nothing else and I was asking them about the trials at the hospital I'd heard that the hospital was carrying out trials only to be told that by my oncologist that I'm sorry but the government had pulled the funding on that so there's nothing else we can give you so hence the reason why I turned to the cannabis oil and did my research and it took me to at one stage it took, took me to America and I was well you know California but I believe that 
you know, there's a, a lot of people out there and a lot, there's certain states where it's legal. So I was ready to go out to California and, and do the 30 day, um, oil, if you will, you know, um, but then I got in touch with a certain lady down in the UK who introduced me to the oil that she was producing or, she, you know, she was, uh, giving to people. So, and I, I started my journey on from there with this person and ever since then, I've, I've been taking the oil and I still take the oil from that person. So, Jason, you were, uh, I, I know the person you're speaking about. Um, so this was really a fully holistic approach in that you did uh, mind, body, spirit, diet, etc. Um, were you doing uh, suppositories in the morning and afternoon then or what were you doing like how much were you taking and were you doing it orally rectally etc yeah well at first when i was in the hospital because i was doing it orally at first i was doing one day you know as per the protocol i was doing one drop three times a day for the first week and then two drops three times a day for the second week and then so on until it i found that tolerance in my body which i was told about so i took i dropped down a drop um, which allowed me to, you know, act as normal, if you will. Um, so yeah, I, I I carried on, I carried on doing that, and then to the day that I ended up in hospital, I thought to myself, well, I can't be doing it in there. So I got my wife to do some research into the uh, suppository style in the capsules. So she was bringing those to the hospital. And I was doing those suppository style. Um, and then in the end, I came out of the hospital, as, as, as I said before, I recovered slightly. So I carried on doing the suppository, suppositories. So, because what I learned was, you know, someone told me that by doing it that way, you're bypassing the liver, there's no chance of getting high, and you can up the dosage. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much quicker. And what I was told was, and the research that you have receptors inside your backside, if you call it that, and you're bypassing your liver again. And I thought, because you know, I thought because the the tumours on top of my brainstem, I could transfer the oil through my spine up to the top of my brain, the brainstem, which at that point I was up to. I think it was up to in the drops, 18 drops per day, the size mm-hmm. of a grain of rice mm-hmm. I was doing in suppository. So you can imagine if I was doing that orally, I'd you have been flying around the room. You guy. <laughs> yeah, I'd have, been fly- <laughs> I'd have been flying around the room. <laughs> so, Jason, by- when, sorry. When did you first notice that this was starting to make a difference? And, and what were the signs that you noticed if, if you did notice anything? Yeah, well, at the time, and while I was under treatment through the hospital, I was on free. I was on an MRI scan every three months. Um, what they noted was every time I went into the hospital, because they changed the rules, I believe, in 2017-18, that you could view, back in the UK, you can actually view your own X-ray MRI scan. So I was taking photographs of these and asking the, MR, the oncologist, to show me a comparison against the last, the previous MRI scan, which I could see the difference and the actual, you know, and the oncologist was saying, you're doing really well. 
and were really, really happy with what's, what we're seeing. You know, but they would never talk about, they knew what I was doing because I actually told them that I was taking the, the cannabis oil, you know, yes. and they, they would never, they'd never speak about it. It was always, yeah, we're really happy. Just keep doing what you're doing. You know, so it, it was evident in every scan that I had, it was coming down. So initially, the initial diagnosis was a grade four. So up to today, up to today, I'm now a grade naught to one fragmenting. Mm. So zero to one fragmented. Wow. That's really awesome compared to where you were. That is amazing. Exactly, yeah. I mean, at the time I was given, I was given, I think it was, Eight to twelve, uh, eight to fourteen months to live. That was the expectancy, uh, and wow. that that was five years ago. Five did years you, ago, next Jason, month. Jason, did did you think the cannabis oil would work, or did you think that this tumor was going to be the demise of you eventually? No, I knew. I was so positive, and every time I went and sat with the oncologist, uh, even before going in, I said to my wife, "We have to be positive. We're going to beat this," and. Yeah. When we sat in front of the oncologist, every time I held a hand and we didn't cry because we knew we had this beat, you know, and they looked at me every time, you know, even even the first month of being diagnosed, it was like I knew we could beat this because I'd heard stories and I was so positive, you know, and maybe that, maybe that was a little bit of downfall of myself because I was positive about everything. You know, I, caused, I don't think that can be anything but positive to be positive. No, absolutely. Exactly. But when, when you're sort of like in a situation where it caused simple arguments in the house with my wife, whereas I'd say to her, oh, go to Tesco's or to the supermarket and get this. And she'd go, well, they don't do that. And I'd be so positive. I'd be going, well, how do you know you've not been? It'd be that kind of, you know, scenario. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be that positive, and I didn't want to be surrounded with people who were negative. It had to be positive. I didn't want people saying they were sorry for me. Yeah. I wanted, no, you're going to beat this. And I think that was a lot of my recovery, apart from everything else. You know, and I was guided through through um, the lady who was getting the oil from to change my diet. You know, obviously, you know, she 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 taught she made me, she taught me about sugars, and you know, supplements and and so forth, which I believe run alongside the oil, if you will. That's, but I, as I say to people now, you know, try the oil. Forget about the pharmaceutical stuff. That this is the thing. This is the future. You know, forget about forget about all of the stuff. Jason, All they want to do is paper yeah. over the cracks. Jason, were you consuming a lot of sugar prior to your diagnosis? Yeah, I'd say it was. What what I used to do was I used to go out on a on a, a road bike, you know, mm -hmm. bicycle. Yeah. And I used to do before I've come on well, I used I'd say I used to do 150 miles a week. Wow. After work. Yeah. I used to go, I used to do fifty two miles three times a week and basically I was taking supplements, you know, the sugar mm -hmm. that that kickstarts your energy levels. And I always felt that in the last stages that I'd hit a barrier, 
with my body, I'd sort of like, I couldn't push myself anymore. I used to push myself to get those mileage in. But I come to a point where I had it every while and I can only put the way I'm, you know, the way I was diagnosed and, and with the tumour and stuff, potentially down to that, the amount of sugar intake I was taking of these, as in the UK we call them gels. Yep. You know, Jason, Jason a lot. Yeah. So, sorry, Corey, go ahead. The other day we were talking, you and I, and you were talking about really your biggest health issues now are actually um, side effects from the radiation. That, that's your biggest thing that you're battling. Yeah, certainly. I know that, I mean, I've been told of other people that radiotherapy is the gift that keeps on giving, you know, um, and I, I realise that, and I'm, I'm you know, and I, I can count myself lucky, you know, to come away with what I've come away with. I've still got the double vision, and I, I wake up some days, and uh, you know, I feel I feel a bit unwell, you know, I feel a bit nauseous, you know. And I, I've spoken to my oncologist, and they're saying, well, you know, count your lucky stars, basically. You, this is, you know, the base of the radiotherapy. Because I was told the other day you can stay in your body for 10 years. So, you know, I'm expecting another five years of, you know, I'd say I have good days rather than bad days, should we say. Jason, uh, a lot of people say when they've had cancer and they've discovered cannabis oil and it has alleviated their cancer. We don't want to say cure because we don't want to get into trouble. Uh, when it has rectified their cancer, they say it was the best thing that ever happened to them. Do you feel that way? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I tried to put people in touch with this lady that I know. And basically, the, the, the problem is cannabis oil, the way I see it is, is the only problem is that it's stigmatized. You know, you mm -hmm. speak to people who, who, who are going through a similar a similar diagnosis and, you know, or whether it be, you know, stomach cancer, breast cancer or whatever. And basically you talk to them about the cannabis oil and they ask what, you know, you know, what are the side effects, are, you know, and I say, you know, well, there's obviously side effects, but the good thing about it is it stops the cancer and it, you know, you know, what I've, what I've read into, it kills the cancer. But, it, it's that stigmatization that you know that sort of like gives it the bad name, and I think that's that needs that needs people need to do a lot more research, and that's what I say to people: go away and do research into it. You know, don't don't be thinking that you're going to be you know you're going to be out of it, you're going to be away with the fairies. You need to sort of like do research, take it in moderation, build a tolerance up in your body. And then learn, learn to, you know, learn to sort of like be positive and, and fight this thing through. Yeah, and it's been used uh, since the, probably since the beginning of time. And uh, only in the last 100 years has it been vilified by uh, the medical community and uh, the mainstream media and pharmaceutical industry. Do you know what, Jason? We well, have We have interviewed... Uh, Corey and I, in the years we've been doing this, probably over 20 people who have had brain cancer. 
they have resorted to the use of cannabis oil. And we're proud to say that all of them are still alive today. And they've been given the same diagnosis as you, probably 8 to 14 months, 24 months. And they're alive. And many of them have had the diag- have through scans had the diagnosis of, diagnosis of no evidence of disease. Now that's wonderful, and I think you're you're heading that in that direction, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I could have got. I, I've I've read books and 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 things about people, you know, doing it in one month, coming over to the states. And, like, taking the full strength, you know, and I think I've done myself in moderation. You know, I've sort of, like, gone and started the journey. It's more been a journey. I've looked at, and I tell people, it's it's more of a journey. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you need to look at this, set yourself targets, what achievable targets, and treat the whole scenario as a journey. Jason, how much cannabis oil are you taking these days, and how often? Well, what what I'm doing is at the moment because because I'm back in work and we do we do drugs and alcohol testing. That 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 can be you know probably the downfall you know that. Although I think work, my employee knows that what what I've done to to get where I am today. However, I didn't want to feel as though I was sort of like still on, you know, let them know that I was still on the THC. So I, I went on the full strength CBD, yeah, which I take as a maintenance dose. So I still I still take uh, probably about three milligrams every day of CBD, yeah, which um, which I find I find keeps me at that that level if you will that uh, sort of like you know it's a maintenance dose now i do have the the thc in the cupboard so that's my go-to so if i feel really unwell then i'll take the thc shouldn't you be taking the thc at night as well every day i do sort of sleep through it but my my only my only concern is who my employer you know, because the industry I work in mm-hmm. do random drugs and alcohol tests, and that's you know, that, and the, the, you know that's that's made me downfall. Maybe I, I need to find a different industry to work in. Yeah, I don't know, Corey. When someone takes um, cannabis by a suppository, does it still show up in drug tests? I think so. If it bypasses your liver, yeah. I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, because it goes through the liver on subsequent go-arounds anyway. So Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I I hear what you're saying about him taking some THC as well. Mm -hmm. I I have a bit few concerns about you just doing CBD, that's for sure, Jason. Yeah. But I understand about your, your employment situation as well, so it's a tough one. Just, you know, definitely keep an eye on yourself. I do. I, I, I'll look at that fine balance and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I don't want to be, because the industry I've worked in, I've worked in this industry for about 35 years. And, you know, the, this is all that I know. So, and it's so incestuous, incestuous that, 
I think that if 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 I fail the drugs and alcohol test or drugs test, then everyone in the network would know about it. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so I try and look for that fine balance. And I've got that stuff, the THC there in the cupboard. Should I feel so unwell, but I'm I'm taking the full strength um, CBD at the moment. Yeah, and CBD can can be quite effective with brain tumors. Well, that's good news. Excellent, Jason. What yeah. uh, what when you tell other people about your situation that you had uh, eight to fourteen months to live, you're still alive today. What sort of reaction do you get? They're amazed. I mean, it's it's more so friends and family and friends of the family mm-hmm. that I put in touch with the laid down south. But they're so amazed about my story. You know, it's. And I keep, I keep telling them that, you know, it's because they, they're, they're so inquisitive about the THC. And I keep telling them it's stigmatized. It's not a drug as such. I said it's a medical, you know, aid that's going to help and potentially, you know, put, you know, sort things out for you. And I think people are more amazed, you know, and I don't know, it's... it's you get some people who, who are sort of like don't believe it in a way that they're thinking, how, how is that? Because it's that stigmatization again. Yeah, well, you get to the you, – you, you talk to some people and they say if it was so uh, effective, then wouldn't we all know about it? Wouldn't doctors be using it? And <coughs> fortunately, that's not the way the world works anymore. No, I think in the UK, over here in the UK, obviously it being a, a banned substance, uh, but I've done research and there's, there's companies down in uh, the south of the UK growing in industrial units. And I believe doing my research that the UK is the biggest exporter of medical marijuana, you know, in the world, this mm-hmm. is. You know, and there are people out there suffering from epilepsy, Parkinson's, you know, cancers, but they were these pharmaceutical companies would rather give you a ta- you know a tablet because they can't lay claim to a plant that's naturally grown. Absolutely, yes. Jason, yeah. you've got uh, a wonderful story. We're so glad that uh, you're on the road to recovery and uh, keep doing, as the doctors would say, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we wish you well in the future. Thanks very much for doing this. No, it's absolutely fine. And, you know, and I do speak to quite a few people um, who have got different ailments and I put them in touch with a lady who's become a really close friend of mine and the family. And basically we just say, you know, you need to speak to this person because the group that she's got running, um, there's people in there who've got different, different things going. I've not got the same cancer as everyone else. However... You know, there'll be people in that group who've got that and that they can share their information with you. Great. Thanks, Jason. We appreciate it. Yep. No worries at all, guys. Thank you so much, Jason. Have an awesome evening. See you later. 
And in conclusion today, we'd like to thank our listeners for supporting us here at Cannabis Health Radio. We greatly appreciate uh, your support. You can support us in two ways. You can become a monthly supporter for as little as $5 a month on our Patreon page, or you can make a one-time donation. And you can do this through our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. And for those people who have supported us, we like to put our arms around you and give you a big hug because uh, we're very appreciative. You know we have no sponsors. You are the sponsor. You can change a life. You can save a life. If you share this podcast on your social media platforms. And a big shout out to Mark in Belgium who posts our podcast to Rumble and other platforms and Ron Zahar here who donates his studio time. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for what you do. We greatly appreciate it. And we thank you for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms podcast. I started the Pop Moms podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.